It's our privilege to have Scott come and share about all these opportunities that he has. It's pretty incredible, people, because he gets to go all over the world and share stories of Jesus in really hard places, in closed places, and we get to support them. It's our privilege. So we ask Scott to come up and to just share what God is doing. Thanks, Julie. Those were very kind words. Thank you to the Missions Council and the elders and Pastor Matt for uh, reserving this time, dedicating this weekend to uh, recognize what God is doing around the globe. And uh, thank you. You are a part of the story. Um, as we were worshiping this morning, we sang a song, Let Your Kingdom Come. And I remember very clearly learning that, word, that song here um, while we were on a home assignment about 10 years ago. And then uh, that summer, at another retreat before Julian, my mother, came um, a few years earlier in 2007, uh, Ben Brandt and a worship team came, and they were part of bringing uh, my colleagues and my family before the Lord, worshiping at a retreat in Central Asia a few years earlier. And uh, yeah, we sang, let your kingdom come, let your will be done, so that everyone might know your name. Let your song be heard everywhere on earth. Till your sovereign work on earth is done, let your kingdom come. What fitting words for a missions weekend. And uh, I just want to remind you that you are a part of the story. Um, my story uh, with Elam Mission Church goes a little bit back further. Um, this year, my family, or at least my parents, the John and Marianne Sunblad family, would uh, recognize 40 years here in Kokato. So we're relatively newcomers. Um, Where's my uh, clicker? Oh, here it is. Um, and so Awana and youth group and uh, children's ministries has been a vital part, as well as my parents' faith, uh, in my upbringing. And Awana, um, I remember very clearly that not only are we to hide God's word in our hearts, but it was, an it was important for us to be inviting others. And so we were inviting friends to come with us to Awana, my I remember very clearly my mother picking up my friends that I had invited, friends that were not going to church, and they were coming here. Two of them are now elders at churches, uh, one in the Twin Cities and one in Chicago. And um, I also know that the ministry of Delbert and Irene Westman in that community, in that uh, neighborhood, was instrumental to those two young guys who are now walking with the Lord and serving. And so very on at an early age, seeing that this is not about just us receiving but we need to be giving we need to be serving we need to be sharing with others and uh yesterday estrus had a great comment among many great comments but i remember him talking about giving youth an opportunity to serve so this church did this uh multiple times for me oh who's that up there in the corner <clears throat> yeah awana was a really important part as i mentioned and then um uh, in youth group we had the opportunity, just like the youth group does these days, to get out and share and to serve. And so in, I think it was 1986, I was exposed to my first cross-cultural experience. I think we have uh, a Reen up there, some Nyquists. We have uh, a Barberg up there, a Lundin up there, a Carpenter up there, including, and myself. 
And that was our first experience to go cross-culturally. And uh, I was hooked. And uh, Elam Mission Church commissioned us to go to Mexico uh, for a part of spring break in that year. And uh, that's where we got a chance to experience some of that. Well, as was mentioned, I have the privilege um, to empower and come alongside of others with God's word in places that have very little exposure to God's word. And we love to tell God's word. We love to share and communicate God's word so that others can also retell it to others. And uh, it's my privilege to share God's word. And I also, I'm trying to discipline myself even more so in everyday conversation to integrate God's word. If I'm on the street, on the plane, sitting next to someone, want to share God's word um, with people. So let me tell you a story from God's word. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And as he was on the road with his followers, he told two of his followers to go into that village nearby, and there's a colt, a young donkey, that is tied up there. It's never been ridden before. And so, go and untie it and bring it back to me, Jesus said to his disciples. And if someone asks you, what are you doing? Tell them that the Lord has need of it. And so those two disciples, they went into the village and they untied this colt and they told the owner, the Lord has need of this colt. And they brought the donkey back to the Lord and they laid their coats on it and he sat on it and began riding into Jerusalem. And there were followers all around that came and crowded in on him. They had seen his miracles, and they were praising God, and they laid their own coats on the road. And they said, praise to this king that has come, and praise to the Almighty and peace in heaven. And as these words were being said, there were actually some religious leaders that came up to Jesus and said, teacher, Rebuke your disciples for saying such things. And he said, If I am quiet, even these stones will cry out. As Jesus came closer to Jerusalem and he saw Jerusalem there, he said, he, he began to weep. And he said, Oh, Jerusalem, how I have longed for you to know the way of peace. But now it is too late. It is hidden from you. Your enemies will crush you, for you have not recognized the coming of God to you. And Jesus went into Jerusalem, and the first place he went to was the temple. And there were people selling things, and he pushed them out of the temple, saying, my house is meant to be a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of robbers. And every day Jesus met in the temple and he taught the people. The religious leaders, they were looking for a way to kill him, but they couldn't find a way because the people were hanging on every word of Jesus. And this story is from God's word. 
you're feeling a little tension there. It's a little unended, right? Uh, if you want to come and hear the next story, I'll be teaching it. You can come join me and Chad in about a week. Um, I have the privilege to come alongside of missionaries and help them, empower them to communicate God's word where it still is even not written yet. And so I've been working, uh, one of the projects that I'm a part of is in Chad, which is in North Africa. And I'm coming along missionaries like this guy Dave here, who are working with unreached people groups. That's what UPGs mean. Unreached people groups, that's a people group with not a significant number of believers and no church, and often, in this case, no Bibles yet. So it's a very significant need. And so I'm coming alongside of Dave, and um, if you're wondering where Chad is, it's in North Africa, and it borders, it's part of the Sahara Desert, at least the top half of the country is, and I'm going to a city called Abeshe. Abeshe is not the capital, it's the second largest city in the country, and it's known, however, as the Muslim capital of the country. And so if you're wondering how hot it is, there's a screenshot uh, from my phone. This wasn't the hot season yet. It was only 107 that day in April when I was there last time. And uh, there's not a lot of air conditioning. In fact, there's not even a lot of electricity. So when the electricity comes on for three hours, everybody plugs in their devices so that they can get them charged. But it's not about the electricity or the weather. It's about, oh, there it is. I went too far. Um, it's about the people. And uh, this is a shot of the participants in our workshop that um, we meet on an ongoing basis. I go back. I'll go back for the third time next week uh, for this project over a year and a half. And I'll return in April. These participants are, some of them are believers and some of them are not yet believers. But they're very interested in God's word and they're a part of even sharing God's word in their communities and so they're helping us to translate stories in an oral format into their languages. And uh, when we first gathered in October of 2016, the, the missionary told me, this is a historic moment. And he told me, there have never been this many believers gathered that we know of in one location among all of these tribes. And I looked at well, I, I wasn't looking at the group at the moment, but I knew of seven believers in that crowd. That was a majority of the known believers among four tribes that number in the millions. So you can see it's an incredible need. And I've been wondering and praying, Lord, what are you doing to gather these guys at this time for such a time like this to bring the word of God to them and they are going out and sharing it in their communities? So you can pray for this opportunity for these tribes and as I said, we spent a lot of time, we'll spend two weeks now teaching God's word, learning God's word, discussing it. And as exciting as it will be to finish 40 or 45 Bible stories in those four languages and record them with devices, as exciting as that is, what is more exciting has been the ministry that has been taking place as we have been talking about God's word. And so... The older believers are mentoring the younger believers. The younger believers are going through persecution. They're dealing with spouses that are not walking with the Lord or with walking, um, knowing the Lord yet. And so there's a lot of issues that they are talking through as we are ministering to one another and discussing God's word. 
And then the believers are also reaching out to the unbelievers. And it's been really exciting to see how that they have been encouraging and loving and caring for um, the unbelievers. And the unbelievers, the Muslims in the group, are soaking it in. Now, there were some that have left, that have uh, ex exited from the project because they didn't want to do this. But those who are still there are really devouring God's word. One of those young men is Mubarak on the right there. Mubarak and Muhammad are both refugees from Sudan. They have been in a refugee camp for about 18 years now. Of their, they're just over 20 each. Um, so they have spent most of their lives in a refugee camp. Uh, Sudan has been just awful, an awful place. And Chad, fortunately, is free to travel to, but there's not a lot of opportunity there. So they have been living in a refugee camp of 40-some thousand people for their, most of their 20 years that they've been alive. And they have been devouring any opportunity for education. And so this opportunity to come and be a part of our workshop came up, and they said, yeah, we want to be a part of that. And they came, and they've been learning Bible stories. They went back. They've been sharing Bible stories in their refugee camp. In fact, they had some pushback from the religious leaders, the mullahs, in their community. And yet they've been faithfully uh, a part of our workshop. Mubarak on the right has requested a Bible. He can read Arabic. He's one of the few that can read Arabic. And so he's reading quietly, secretly to himself. And then he's also been meeting with Jacob. Um, Jacob Broughton is, oh, uh, so they've been out sharing. Jacob Broughton is uh, one of the missionaries that I've come alongside and have supported. He's from Minnesota. You might recognize his last name. Um, and Jacob has been uh, ministering in Sudan and now Chad. Uh, Jacob, with another local believer, were kicked out of Sudan. They were in jail for a while, and, um, and then they got kicked out of Sudan. Jacob uh, was cared for by Todd Westman in the transition from uh, Sudan. So there's another connection that we have at Elam. Um, so Jacob just met Mubarak in January of last year. And they've been meeting and praying and discussing God's word. And in October, Mubarak came to the Lord. Jacob led him to the Lord, and uh, he was baptized, Mubarak was. So praise the Lord for that. That was really exciting uh, to hear that report. Just yesterday, um, I've heard that Mubarak is being uh, persecuted for his faith. So would you pray for Mubarak? These young believers are facing intense persecution. So um, let's pray that he would remain faithful to our Lord and have the support and that his family would come to the Lord so that he would have the support of his family network in his uh, home. Let me tell you about Muhammad Hussein, the guy in the black there. He puts on a strong Muslim front. He does his prayers, he goes to the mosque, but quietly he's been absorbing everything that we've been talking about. And he did also request a scripture. He can read Arabic, so he's been re reading the Arabic Bible. And uh, the other two guys there are believers. In fact, they've been believers for about 15 years, and they've been gently teaching and sharing their faith with him. And uh, Muhammad Hussein, in October, when we were, my, my colleague Greg was teaching the stories from Isaiah, the prophecies of the coming of the Messiah. 
and Muhammad Hussein and some of the other Muslims in the group were saying, who is this promised one that is coming? And, and when is he coming to save people from their sins? That's how much they were into that story. And then the birth of Christ was shared, that story was shared, and Muhammad Hussein said, I have to watch the Jesus film. So he watched the whole Jesus film and said, yes, Jesus is this one that Isaiah talked about, the Messiah, the one that has come to save us from our sins. So he is so close. So pray for Muhammad, please, with us. And then two more guys I want to share with you. Um, Asadik and Abdul Hassan are in the front there sitting on the ground. They have been in a remote location for years, and they came to Christ. I'm not sure all of their testimony, but I know that they've come to Christ, and they've been very isolated from believers. So our workshop has been a really meaningful thing for them to come and to fellowship with other believers and to be encouraged and to study the Word. My colleague Greg led them through the story of the baptism of Jesus. And they had heard about baptism and the commands of Jesus, but when they studied about him being baptized themselves, they said, we need to be baptized. It's time to no longer hide. We need to show that we are followers of Christ. And uh, in our workshop, there was an impromptu baptism. And uh, we st uh, I wasn't there, but I got to get a video. So... Let me show that with you. This is something that is not often witnessed in our chat. No. Well, I've got it on my laptop. If they, do you guys have it, or otherwise? We'll... Okay. No. So praise the Lord for this opportunity to see uh, young men um, taking a stand. I, as I said, this was an impromptu opportunity in our workshop, and there were Muslims witnessing this baptism. So um, praise the Lord. May the Lord keep them faithful in their following of him. I ask that you continue to pray with us uh, for the, our, our partners there in Chad, and uh, pray that they would be strong. Some of the families have been going through some really difficult times, so may um, you pray with us for the missionaries that we're partnering with. And um, I ask that you pray that uh, the remainder of this project is completed well and that we would remain faithful in uh, proclaiming and translating God's word. I pray and ask that you pray that the Muslim participants would embrace Christ. As I said, about half of them are still Muslims. And one whole language group, the Mosley people, we don't know of any believers there. So would you pray with us for these young men and older men that uh, they would embrace Christ. And finally, may the Lord be glorified and transform these nations and raise up his church among these peoples. Thank you so much, Elam Mission Church. Thank you for your faithful part in being behind us, for your prayers, uh, your financial support, for your encouragement and your love on our family. We are so grateful for your part in 
this story. Amen.